Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. And he's got his arms open wide saying, welcome home, welcome home. Death's only temporary. It's a twinkle in the believer's eye. And while we do not ask for trouble to come into our lives, trials do provide us the opportunity to glorify God in the midst of our pain. Faith is not in the saying. Faith comes in the doing. When we find ourselves in a crisis, the first place we need to run is to the God of the Word and the Word of our God, because in both places we find comfort and hope. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. We're looking at Jesus responding to three crises of faith here. Crisis number one, we saw the disciples in a crisis of faith. Now we're going to look at crisis number two, where we see the sisters in a crisis of faith. The sisters. Not only was Jesus concerned about growing the faith of these young disciples and preparing them for their coming assignment, but he was also concerned about growing the faith of his friends, these two sisters. As I stated before, each and every crisis that we face ought to increasingly grow and shape our faith in God and his word. These sisters of Lazarus were about to have their faith fast-tracked and grown like they could never have imagined beforehand. Here we go. This is their story. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, and I love Martha, Martha gives right to the point. Martha's in the kitchen, we see, when Jesus is in the living room, you know, uh, Mary is at his feet, but Martha is getting things done. She's a get-done gal, and she's going to get right to the point here with Jesus. She's not shy. I'm sure she's very respectful. She knows who she's talking to, but she's going to get right to the point. This is her personality. Here's what she says. She says, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, which means Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. Now, we don't, it's funny, we don't read that, do we? Jesus didn't say that. 
Martha's, you know, she's gaining, you know, some people with her. She wants Mary to go, uh, you know, have a talk with Jesus now. Hey, hey, he's asking for you. Mary goes, wow, okay. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha and, uh, met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same exact sentence that Martha, do you think they got together? And conspired to, I mean, this is their raw emotion. Man, if only Jesus had been here, our brother wouldn't be dead right now. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. The Messiah, the creator of the world, the all-powerful God is troubled and groaning in his spirit. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come see. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus didn't get misty-eyed. Jesus didn't get all, you know, um, uh, just sad, melancholy. No, the Savior, Creator of the world wept, just like you and I would weep. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, <clears throat> kind of like the disciples, um, <laughs> with all due respect, I know you're the Christ. I know you're God. So let me just do this briefly. In the King James, it says, he stinketh. <laughs> now, I don't want to be too morbid here, but she's just reminding him, <laughs> There's a reason we put we closed the tomb off, uh, and I'm just going to remind you that um, in case you forgot, it's been four days. <laughs> Do what you want, but let me remind you of that. Martha, the sister, said of him who was dead, said to him, "Lord, by this time there is a stench; he stinketh, for he has been dead four days." Jesus said to her, "Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God?" Show me a person whose faith is strong in the most difficult moments of their life, and I'll show you a person who's been through a crisis or two or 12 and walked with the Lord and seen what he did and trust him now, no matter what. I don't need to understand why this happened. I just need to understand that God is with me and will walk me through this as difficult and as hard as this is, this is. He's with me through every trial of life. And right here as I wrote these words, the song, Through It All, 
just started playing in my head. Through it all, through it all. How many of you know that? Here's, here's the verse, some of the verses here. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Here's the chorus. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Andre Crouch. Wow. Mary's and Martha's words to Jesus reveal their hurting hearts. They're human. Of course they're going to cry. Of course they're going to weep. Of course they're going to be angry at death. Jesus was angry at death. But it also reveals their strong faith in the Old Testament Judaic theology that assured them that one day there would be a final resurrection. They understood that part. They didn't understand how it would take place, but they understood that one day there would be a resurrection. What they were missing, though, was Jesus and the critical role he would play in the resurrection. Jesus' statement in verse 25, I am the resurrection and life, was revolutionary. And by the way, that's the fifth time Jesus says, I am. He's going to say it seven times in John. And the way those words are put together, that is his claim that he is God. And that's why every time he says it, the top of the heads of the Pharisees just explode because he's claiming to be God himself. Jesus revealed that he is the key to the door that he said. Remember last week, he said, I'm the door at the sheep gate. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way into the sheep where the sheep are kept. There's no other religion that gets you to God. There's no other way to get to God but through Jesus. There's nothing that you and I can bring to the table that would say, okay, you brought enough, now you can be a child of God. We bring nothing but filthy rags to the Lord. And in exchange, he took those filthy rags and gave you and I his righteous robe, his righteousness. What a trade that was. Our Father loves us so much that he would send his only begotten Son into the world to die for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything. We didn't clean ourselves up. We can't. It's impossible. This morning, if you're wondering, how do I give my life? How do I have a relationship with God that he's talking about? Let me tell you, you don't clean yourself up. You can't. You come as you are to God, and you surrender your life to him. You tell him, I'm a sinner, and I want what Jesus did on the cross to apply to me. I want his blood. I want his forgiveness to apply to me. That's how you come to God. You come broken, and he makes you better than new. That's why we chose the name of the church, Restored. He restores us. He restores our soul.
This was news to them, by the way. This is a whole new concept. Wait a minute. You're the resurrection and the life? This, was a, this had to blow their minds. Jesus was about to bring the doctrine of the resurrection out from the shadows and into the light for everyone to see. Before it was, it was talked about, it was referenced, but now Jesus is going to pull it out and go, here it is, it's me. He is the truth, He is the life, and He's the only way to the Father. Not only was Jesus teaching a spiritual resurrection here, but He's also, in, his, in the example here, teaching them of a bodily resurrection. And in a matter of days, Jesus would lay down His life both spiritually and physically speaking, for the sins of the world. He would die and go into the tomb. But three days later, he would raise himself back up. He says, I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to lift it up again. And he did. This is the hope we have, that for the Christian, death is just a doorway into eternal life, nothing more, physically and spiritually speaking. And for those who transition to heaven before Jesus returns, in the rapture of the saints, death is merely a vehicle which delivers us into the arms of our Savior, and so we shall be with Him forevermore, Scripture says. What a day that will be. Mm. Jesus took the doctrine of the resurrection off the pages of scrolls, and He lived it out before everyone, first with His miracle of Lazarus, and then just in a matter of days after that, he would lay his life down and show them that he had the power to pick it back up. There's no more reason to fear death anymore. We have a Savior that's already conquered it. He's made a way through death. We're going to follow him one day if Jesus delays long enough. Listen, when you're sick, you want a doctor, not a website. When you're learning to shoot, you want an instructor to show you, not a manual. And when you're brought into court facing the death penalty, you want a wise counselor, not a book called Capital Crime Defenses for Dummies. I don't want to defend myself. I need Jesus to defend myself, and he already defended us. He went to the cross and paid our fine, our debt. It's already sealed. You see, the Jews had the scrolls, but now they were standing in front of the Redeemer. Jesus affirmed that his believers, though they might physically die, would be resurrected back to life. Then he said that those who remained alive when he returns, those who are alive when he returns in the rapture, they don't face death at all. Listen, I say this all the time. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm hoping for the upper taker. I want to go up in the rapture. In our house, whenever we talk about the rapture, and he's doing it right now, now Kyler, um, whenever we talk about the rapture, I tell him, okay, is everybody rapture ready? And they say yes. And I say, assume the rapture position, which is this. <laughs> the kids know. <laughs> uh. Well, the raptures, uh, if you want to talk, if you want to know about that, just go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Martha affirmed her faith three times. And not, uh, three is the number of, of completeness. She does it three times, and you hear it here. When she's referring to Jesus, she begins with Lord when she talks to him. Lord. And then she says, 
Christ. I know you are the Christ. I know you're the Messiah. I know this. And then she says, and the Son of God. Three times she confirms that Jesus is who he says he is. He's God. Mary's faith is evidenced in actions. Martha's in words, and you would expect that. She's the analytical one. Let's just get right to the point. This is who you are. And Mary, though, is more the emotional one. Mary's faith is evidenced three times as well in Scripture. In fact, the only three times that we read of her, all three times she's at the feet of Jesus. I just learned that this week. It just came to me this week. Wait a minute. How come we don't read Martha at the feet of Jesus? Well, no, she's proclaiming that he's God three times. Mary's at Jesus' feet every time we read about her. First, we see her at the Lord's feet listening to him speak. Remember, Martha's in the kitchen. She's getting a little frustrated because her sister's at the feet of Jesus listening to him. Jesus says, well, she chose better. <laughs> the second time we see her here in the story where she's, she just falls at his feet. And it's her tears that are washing the Savior's feet. And the third, we see her anointing the feet of Jesus just hours before he's going to the cross. What does she do? She goes and she gets that alabaster jar that is extremely valuable. Spikenard, it's called. Spikenard oil. She breaks it and then she pours it over the Savior's head and his feet. And she washes his feet with her hair, you know, dabs the oil. I, I, I'm going to take a, chase a rabbit here just shortly. I looked up spikenard and I went, what is that? You know, what, why would you do that? Just so he'd smell better? No, spikenard has a calming effect, the internet told me, Google told me. Spikenard is used for, to calm someone down. Isn't that interesting that right before the Savior is going to be beaten beyond what we can even imagine and go through this horrible event, painful event, that Mary would pour a calming oil just prior to that. I thought that was interesting. Mary didn't say much during her conversation because she broke into tears and just fell at his feet. How did Jesus respond? Well, Scripture tells us he groaned in the Spirit and was troubled why? What does this word groaned in the spirit mean? I had to look that up. Well, here it is. It means to be moved with righteous indignation. Jesus is angry. Why is he angry? He's angry because the world he created was all about life. And the world that it had become, when sin entered, sin brings death. This is not the perfect plan of God. He didn't want sin in the world. He didn't want death in the world. Jesus is standing before his friend who is dead. He's watching sin's effect on everyone, crying at the grave. And so he groans in his spirit. It was never supposed to be this way. Verse 35, Jesus wept. It's both the shortest and, in my opinion, the most poignant verse in all of Scripture. Why? Because the Creator, the all-powerful God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
cries like I do. He experiences what you and I experience. When you cry, He understands what you're feeling. He's fully God, and, but He's fully man too. Hebrews 4.15 reveals, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, there's been a few times in my life when I was blessed with to be able to go to a concert or uh, the other one was an IndyCar race. Someone just gave me this uh, package. They didn't even know what it was. They didn't like IndyCar races. So they said, here, here's an envelope. Just go and enjoy yourself. Well, I went and they said, just, they told me, just put the lanyard on when you get inside, you know, before you get up to the gate. So I put the lanyard on and I'm driving up to the gate. I get there and the guy does this double take and he goes, sir, um, you know, just park your car right here and, uh, and, and we'll be right over. Okay, so I parked my car. I'm getting out of the car, and here comes a golf cart, one of those six-seaters. Sir, <laughs> this is for you. I'm looking around. There are tens of thousands of people in a line half a mile long, and they're all looking at me like, what's the deal with this guy? I get in the golf cart. They drive me to the front of the line. They walk me right through a special gate. They take me over and introduce me to the driver of the Indy car. They, I get to sit in the Indy car. I thought... This is, I, I keep doing this. I got to be asleep. They made, had a meal for all the important people, and there they set me at a table. And then I'm looking at this thing going, whatever this is, this is really good. <laughs> I, flip, I flip it over, and it says, all access. I can go anywhere. <laughs> Where do you want to sit? On the, you know, start-finish line. That'd be good. <laughs> oh, I'll get you a seat right there. They put me right there in the front. All access pass. When you gave your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit came in, you got an all-access pass to the Father, into the throne room. Nobody gets into the throne room that doesn't have an all-access pass or is an elder or an angel. Yeah, that we see in Revelation. We just went through Revelation uh, verse by verse. You remember that. <laughs> Not everybody gets into the throne room, but as a child of God, you do. And do you know that 365 days a year, 24-7, doesn't matter when or what or how, you immediately can storm into the throne room. And you come boldly before the King of Kings and ask Him, God, I need you. God, I'm, I don't understand why this happened. I need you. Please be here. My child is in the hospital. My my. I've lost my job, and the rent is due. Whatever the problem is, whatever your crisis is, you can go boldly before the King of Kings and say, Lord, help me, please, please help me. Show me what you want me to do. You have an all-access pass. Both Mary and Mar Martha teach us that where we're to go with our pain and sorrows is right to God. Go right to Him. That's where we find mercy. This is where we find grace and experience His love one-on-one. -on -one. Psalm 34, 18, David wrote, and let me tell you, David knew about heartbreak. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, he wrote. 
He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Are you grieving? Run to him. Run to him. Boldly run to him. With all confidence. And you know what? When you find out, when you run to him, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But here's what I found out in the crises I've been through. That when I realize there's a crisis, when we got the phone call of our daughter, we ran to God. It took three seconds to realize this was way more than Debbie and I could carry. It was a horrible phone call that no parent ever wants to get. And we just closed our eyes and cried out. What we found out <laughs> was when we turned to him, he was already drawing. He was already there. You know, he was there. He knew it was coming. He knew what the phone call was coming. He knew the day of her death. And he was there for us. And when we cried out, he responded. And he walked us through the hardest thing that we'd ever been through to this point in our lives. Let me tell you, if that's you this morning, run boldly to him. Turn to him and you'll find out that he's already there with you. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.